Well, as I said before, we're going to be talking about this parable, a parable that helps us understand who gets to be a part of the kingdom of God. And it's a great question. You know, over the past few weeks, as we've looked at different parables, we've heard how we're, we're to be kingdom people, right? We're to be kingdom people, people who bring the kingdom. That's one of our challenges from the parables. We're to bring the kingdom. Like, for instance, we heard the Good Samaritan parable, and Jesus is our Good Samaritan. He rescues us. What do we do? We go back out and rescue. Last week, as we talked about the rich fool, you know, we said, oh, God blesses us with, with finances, with resources. What are we to do? Not keep it all for ourselves. We're to make kingdom investments so that this kingdom will be bigger and bigger and bigger. And today as we talk about it, and as we talk about the word kingdom, I want you to think about it. What does that mean? What is the kingdom of God? And of course, one way you could look at it is it's the kingdom of heaven. You know, and I, I ask people about heaven all the time. I don't know if you've ever had those kinds of conversations with people. They're a little awkward, but I do all the time. I, I, I want to know, do they understand that this thing called heaven exists? So I'll ask them, i say, do you believe in heaven? Do you know that 90% of the people I talk to believe that heaven is real? You'd think it might, I thought it might be a little lower than that. Maybe you've had a different experience, but many people, they say, oh yeah, it's real. But I was asking that second question, and if you've heard me talk about it, you know what the second question is. Like, how do you hope to get there? And it's on that answer I realize how much work we have to do to help people see the true nature of the kingdom. So as we begin this parable, the study of this parable, would you pray with me? Father, we, we do pray that you would teach us with your truth, that you'd help us to understand how important invitations are. Invitations to your kingdom, to, to the life that you have for, for us. And uh, would you challenge us today to be people that are kingdom bringers to others? And if there are any people here that have some question about whether or not they're part of the kingdom, would you answer that question? Lord, that you would just ignite our hearts with your love and grace that we might be people that bring the kingdom to this world, this, this world that so desperately needs it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Well, so Jesus' priorities. Jesus' priorities were to preach the kingdom. So we're going to look at this parable from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. And I want you to look at this verse from Luke just to sort of understand his priority. I mean, this is a big deal. This kingdom preaching, this understanding of the nature of the kingdom is central to Jesus' ministry. He says... I must preach the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, if you would. And, and you kind of get, it's kind of hard to get our brains around how big that is because it's already here. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, look, the kingdom is within you. It's near, it's within you, and it's also not yet. So it's already here. In other words, we already have the kingdom because we're followers of Christ, or if you are a follower of Christ, but it's also something that's not Yet, it's not fully realized. And so for us, we have, to, we have to live in this tension of, hey, we know it's now. We know that we have heaven, but we haven't received it yet. We haven't actually experienced it yet. Now, on top of that, we have to get our heads around the vision that heaven is really, it's, it's something we'll go to when we die, but there's also this recreated heaven and earth that happens when Jesus comes back someday. 
And that's a much different experience. You know, most people uh, picture heaven as like, you know, people floating around on clouds and playing harps and things like that. And that's just not the picture we get from Scripture. Let me give you a picture of, of the banquet that Jesus is hosting for you and for me when he comes back. This is, from the, this is from the prophet Isaiah. He said, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. Another clue to who will be a part of the kingdom. And we'll get to why some people don't actually get to this banquet, but he wants all people to be saved. And so he's going to prepare this rich feast, this food. We're going to eat, okay? We're going to eat. Now, it says it's a, it's a banquet of aged wine. Now, now I, I've heard of old polka song that says, in heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here. Right? You've heard this, right? I'm not the only one. It's an old song. I can't say anything about whether there's beer at this banquet, but I do know one thing, there's going to be the best wine. And that is just an amazing thought. I want you to think about it. At that banquet, at that, at when Christ returns, when we sit down to have that banquet, we're going to have the finest of wines. And look at this, the best of meats. All right, so will there be bacon? <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about that. Because then, you know, what happens at this banquet is the veil is taken away from our eyes. Scripture tells us, Paul writes, that we see God dimly. And, and this vision of this banquet is the moment in which that veil comes off. And we can now understand the fullness of who God is and his great love for us and his plans for us for eternity. We're going to see it all. More than we could ever think or even imagine at this point will be revealed to us at this moment. And then, then I love the last line. And he will swallow up death forever. So if there is bacon, pass the bacon. <laughs> Eat as much as you want, right? It's going to be awesome, this banquet. Now, this banquet is called by many different things. In the book of Revelation, it says, it says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In other words, it's a wedding feast. The bridegroom is Christ, and this is his wedding feast, and, and it says, blessed are those who are invited. Now, invited doesn't just mean that they received the invitation. It means they responded to that invitation. So we want to talk a little bit about invitations. Do you, do you guys get any paper invitations anymore? Usually I get a lot of evites, right? Anybody get an evite? You know what I'm talking about? But the paper ones are really special. This week I got this evite. This is kind of kind of fun. I get it. You know, they try to make it really special, like I'm really opening an invitation. This is real. I'm invited to jail in two weeks. How'd you like to get that in your mailbox? Well, actually, it's a group of pastors who are going to the jail to meet with people, to meet with people, to figure out how we could do more in the prisons to invite people who don't think they deserve an invitation to be a part of the kingdom. It's pretty awesome, and if you'd like to get in on that, there's a place on your Connect card, on the back side of your Connect card. If you'd like to get more information about how that might look here at Trinity, uh, go ahead and check that. We don't know yet until I go to lunch at prison. I won't know. But look, when I go, I'll find out more. We can figure that out, but I have to decide, don't I? I got the invitation. Will I go? I mean, because once you get an invitation, what do you have to do? You have to 
RSVP. Now, does anybody know what that means? It means please respond, all right? Now, there's a, there's a real movement not to respond to RSVPs in the world today. You know, in fact, I heard it's, it's called FOMA, fear of missing out. It's because everybody's waiting for their, on their phones for some better offer to come along. And like 30% of people never, ever respond to anything. They won't commit because they don't want to miss out on something better. And so I want you to think about, as we talk about invitations, three things. This is the way we evaluate an invitation. First of all, we say, who sent it? Right? We want to know the person. So if it's a guy down the street that you don't like, and he says, I'm having my annual barbecue, and you've been there before, you probably look at your calendar and you say, I'm mowing the yard that day. Right? So I don't think I want to go to that. So the first thing you do is you look at who sent the invitation. The second thing you do, you look at purpose. What's it about? And if it's something that has value, if it's something that looks interesting, if it's something that you've never done before or experienced before, it's got your attention. And then the final thing is you look at, you look at your calendar. You look at the priorities for the day. And you make a decision, will I respond to this invitation? Uh, anybody get an invitation to this wedding? Yeah. No? No? You didn't get one? If you got one, what would you do with it? You'd probably say, I think they sent it to the wrong person, right? I mean, wouldn't you? Probably, if you got that. And, and you know, here it is. You know, they're well-known celebrity type. They were celebrity type people. When this happened, it was the world's big event. And, and you know the purpose. It was their wedding. And it was an extravagant, over-the-top just amazing, wonderful, lavish wedding. In fact, do you know how much it cost? It cost $110 million for the two of them to be married. And so you know, okay, you know who it is, and you, you know what it's about, and you know it's something you could never, ever, probably ever experience anywhere else. And the question is, would you go? Would you look at your calendar? And, and probably some of us would look at our calendar and say, you know what, I, I, I can't make it. I have too many other things to do that day. I have to work. You know, I can't take that much time off. Would it be a priority to go? And you have to align all those, and then you have to respond. And you have to say, I'll make a commitment or not. And Jesus is trying to explain in the parable today, he's trying to explain to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the nature of the kingdom, and that it's all about invitations and who gets invited and who responds. So let's set the scene for this parable. It begins with Jesus at a, um, at a, at a meal with the Pharisees. You see, it's, it's Sabbath day. It's Saturday. It's Sabbath, and they have been at a service, a Sabbath uh, synagogue service. Jesus might have taught, we don't know, and, and he's been teaching all around the country, and they've been hearing him say things about the nature of this kingdom of God and who gets to be a part of it, and they want to know more, so they invite him to a meal. And so he goes there to the ruler of the Pharisees' house, and notice it says they were watching him carefully. They were watching him carefully because what he was saying was different than what they thought. They had a different idea about who would be a part of the kingdom than Jesus did, and they were watching him very carefully. Now, they're there at the meal, and here's what happens. There's a man, and we don't know how he got there, whether it was by accident or design or whatever. We just don't know. 
But there was a sick man there, and Jesus healed him. Now, normally, if, we, if we'd see that happen, we'd just say, wow, that's just amazing. That's just awesome. That's just incredible that God would heal a person like that. But it was the Sabbath, and they had rules. And you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. And so they, they had confronted him about the things, the laws that he broke on the Sabbath by doing certain things. And they had made, their religious traditions had made God's kingdom all about keeping the rules. So he heals this guy and he turns to them. He says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And then there's no answer. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, look, it's more than rules. It's not your goodness that gets you the invite to the kingdom. It's not your worthiness because you keep all the laws. And he says, in a way, metaphorically, he says, I'm going to heal you of that curse of the law. You see, that's what Scripture actually calls, the New Testament calls, calls the law. It calls it a curse. It says it brings death because guess what? None of us can ever keep it perfectly. And here Jesus is, he's saying, I'm going to heal you of that curse of the law. And I'm going to tell you the kingdom is not about keeping the law. It's not. At that point, the Pharisees would have been saying, what? Realizing that they have given their life to keeping the laws. Well, then, uh, then uh, he calls them out. You know, he's not even started telling the parable yet, and he calls them out, and he says, he says and, and not only that, but you guys were like um, coming in here to sit down, and you're looking for the seats of, of power and position. You're looking for the best chairs in the, in the banquet room, the closest ones. For you, it's all about position and power instead of humility. I envision their, their response now at this point being something like this. Like say, what? This guy is messing with our minds. The kingdom's not about power and position? And he says, no. Jesus says this to him. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and, who, who, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And, you know, Jesus says this in other ways. He says, he says the last will be first. And the first will be last. And he says, you know, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. To humbly serve other people. In fact, to give my life as a ransom for many. Check that out in Matthew 20, 20th chapter. Both of those statements Jesus makes about humility. So it's not about the laws, and it's not about your power and position. That doesn't get you your invitation. So don't think that's the, that what this is all about. So if their minds weren't thinking and gears weren't turning yet, he comes at them one more time before he starts actually even telling the parable. And he says, look, to the, to the guy that has this meal, he says, you know what? Don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors when you're going to have a banquet like this. Invite the, and remember this phrase, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. People that they would have thought would have never received an invitation. Now, I know that's very offensive for us today in our world, that we would ever think a person with disabilities wouldn't get an invite. But that was the religious thinking of the time, that they were somehow outside the invitation. That they were somehow less or um, not, not uh, qualified to receive an invitation. And he said, you, you know, when you have a banquet, invite them because that will bless them and you will be blessed because this is the nature of the kingdom of God. So it's not about laws and it's not about power and position and it's going to be bigger than you can ever imagine. So who gets to be a part of the kingdom of God? 
And this guy who's there at this banquet with Jesus makes this statement. It's kind of kind of throws everything, probably made the room silent for a minute. He says, look, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, who will eat at that banquet. Everybody will be blessed. And for sure, everybody will be blessed. But who will be there? Who will actually be there? Because in his mind, he's thinking, you know, we are so precise with the law and we're, we're, so, we're so in tune with God's will and his power and uh, the, the structure of religion in our lives. And, 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 you know, we're good people. Have you ever heard this? We're good people. So we're going to be at that banquet. That's not at all what Jesus just said. And so he goes on and he tells this parable. He explains to them, he tries to, to show them one more time who will be there. This is how the parable begins. It says, once a man gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time, and at the time for the banquet, when it came time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Everything's ready to go. Now understand in those days they didn't have email or phones or even postal service. So the way the invitation process worked is a servant would go out with a save the date that required an RSVP. They would announce, hey, my master's having a banquet. Are you interested? They say, yeah, I'm interested. Well, we'll come and tell you when the food's ready. We don't know when that is. And that's already happened at this point. The food is now ready. The, 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 the calf has been slaughtered, put on the barbecue spit. You know, it's, it's spinning. It's smelling good. It's just about ready. The vegetables have been gathered and roasted, and they're just they're ready to go, and the bread has been baked, and it's fragrant. And the aromas fill in the area. I mean, the wine casks are ready and filled, and it is going to be a party. The servant comes out and says these words, Come, everything is now ready. I want you to remember those words. Come, that's the invitation. Come, everything, for everything is now ready. And here's how they respond, with excuses. They've received the invitation, but now they're giving excuses as to why they can't be there. They know who, who sent the invitation, a master, a, a wealthy person in the community. They know what's going to happen. It's going to be a feast like you can't believe. And yet when it's time, they don't have time. They say no. So who will be a part of the kingdom of God? They won't be if they don't come. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Here, here are their excuses. Just to, If you look at them, you, you realize how, how weak these excuses are. The first guy says, look, uh, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Well, they would have never bought land ever without looking at it first. Okay? As farmers, they would want to know where the sun is and irrigation and, and quality of soil. They would have done all that before they bought it. So this is just an absolutely really lame excuse. It would be like you calling your spouse if you're married or calling somebody and saying, hey, um, I'm going to be late for dinner because I bought a house by phone and I'm going to go check it out and make sure it's okay. I suspect that could lead you into some trouble. You would never do that and they would never do this. And so the master's reaction to this when he hears it is not going to be pleasant because he realizes it's a lame, weak excuse. Very similarly, the next one was about oxen. He said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. 
Farmers wouldn't do that either. They would go test those animals. If you don't know oxen, they have to be matched. It's like a matched pair because if one wears out before the other, it slows them both down. And so they have to be kind of the same uh, strength, and, and so they're matched. And so a farmer would test an oxen, a team of oxen, before buying it. It's another lame excuse, and it's not going to go over well. The third excuse is a little different. The third guy says, look, I just got married, and I have my priorities. I can't come, so I just won't be there. All right, some of you are thinking through what I'm saying here, okay? You say, no, no I'm, do not disturb, man. I, I got, I've got a new bride, and... and and that would have been offensive to the master, too, because this subject would have never been discussed in, in this environment. This would not have been an excuse that you would talk about publicly. And so we get excuses. And he says, look, I have a married wife, and therefore I cannot come. And he doesn't even ask to be excused. He just says, I won't be there. After planning the banquet, after getting an initial RSVP, they all back out. They say, yeah, I have second thoughts. I have a fear of missing out on something else. I have a new priority. And it's a problem we all have. When it comes to the kingdom, come, for now everything is ready, is a cry that, it's a call that Jesus gives us every day. And yet, we have... Excuses. I have excuses. Maybe you felt that too. It's like, how do, you, how do you prioritize kingdom over everything else? Jesus is asking us every day to be kingdom people, and we're saying, um, let me check my calendar. Let me see if, if there's another priority. I understand who's asking, and I understand what you want me to do, but let me just let me check my calendar, see if I can make it. We don't understand this priority of the kingdom. And the question is for us is like, what's our excuse? What is it about the kingdom that we aren't grasping? And, and I know, and I get it, and I feel it, and I have felt it more or less all through my life, the busyness of life, right? How many things are plugged into our lives, and we're so busy doing stuff. And Jesus is saying, come. Everything is now ready. Be a part of my kingdom. And I felt the times, and maybe some of you are there right now, where I have questions and I'm going, I have doubts about even if this kingdom thing is real. Jesus is saying, come. Everything is now ready. And oftentimes for me, especially when I was younger as a teenager, as a teenager, I had my own plan. And I was like, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to give up on my freedom, the freedom to do things that I knew I shouldn't be doing. But, you know, hey, don't kill my vibe, man. Don't kill my vibe. I, I, I got things I want to do. And so, so for us, as we consider Jesus' invitation to be a part of the kingdom, we have to wrestle with the realities here, the realities that we have to look at our priorities and he doesn't want us just to overcome this on our own. He wants us to come to him. That's the nature of this invitation. Come to him with your excuses. Don't just try to work them out on your own. Just say, Lord, I struggle with this. Let him convince you of the value of that banquet. Well, the parable continues. Jesus says, look, so the servant comes back and reports this to the master, and the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, 
quickly go out to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in who? The poor, right? The poor, the cripple, the blame, blind, and the lame. The lame and the blind. Bring them in. And look at this. Now, first of all, you see how quickly God's wrath turns to grace, right? In other words, he doesn't stay angry very long, the master. He's all about collecting people, making people that invitation, extending it to them and getting them in. But look also at the servant who already knew his master's heart and had already done that work. He'd already invited people in, people that were not supposed to get an invitation, people who would have been surprised by that invitation. He says, I've already invited them in, invited them in. So for us that want to live as kingdom people, we have the master's heart. We should be wanting to invite as well. So uh, the master then, he says, go out to the highways then because there's still room. There's still more room. There's always more room. God wants all people to be saved. That's the answer of who gets the invitation. As many as we can get the invitation out to, there's no restriction he says, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled, that this banquet would be filled, that every morsel of food would be eaten. There's always going to be more, by the way. But that, that, that this is going to work out as being the biggest party ever. And the word there that's important is compel, because it's not force. It's not drag in. It's, it's show people who's, who's given the invitation. Show people who the, who the master is. Help people understand the purpose, all right, so they can properly set their priorities. This is what we, we have to do as, as, as people who want to bring the kingdom. And if you are still struggling with the invitation, if you still have questions, go ahead and come to Jesus anyway and say, God, I have questions. That's what we're here for, the body of Christ, so that people can wrestle with that invitation. Because the master wants his house full. And we're part of filling it. Jesus kind of stops in the parable mode. He's not, he's not speaking now about the parable. He's speaking right to the Pharisees. He's, he says this, and he says it to us today. He says, for I tell you, none of these men who were invited, none of these men with the excuses will shall taste my banquet. Why? Not, not because they had the excuse, because they didn't come. You see, you don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to be the perfect person to come to the banquet, but you need to come and let Jesus talk to you about what's going on. And the people with the excuses are the ones that don't ever get to that. They don't ever come for everything is now ready. And we need to be careful with our excuses every day and ask, who is it that it's asking? You know it's your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's the purpose? To bring the kingdom to this world so that you can participate fully in that kingdom. So it'll be just awesome. Realize that our lives are built around the kingdom. And then, then you have to wrestle with your priorities. And I get that. That's a hard thing to do. But, but don't do it on your own. Just say, okay, Jesus, help me to prioritize here. So that you can respond, so you can be a part. Come, for everything is now ready. Do you hear the call? And are you ready to respond? Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this amazing story of the heavenly banquet where we're invited not as guests, but as the bride, the bride of Christ. We, we, as the church, 
are invited to be there because we are going to be with you, united with you forever in eternity. And so as we live our lives, would you help us with our invitation that you've extended daily? Would you help us just remember who you are and remember the purpose of all of this and, 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 and just help us work through those priorities, Lord, that we could, we could be kingdom bringers, that we could be participating now in the kingdom. We know it's not yet, but someday it will be, and yet it all works together for that final future banquet that we just heard about. Just knock down any barriers that would keep us from responding to you. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.